Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll turn it into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I used to love playing this game uh, when I was a kid. This was a family favorite. We used to play this game. Little smaller blocks or whatever, but it was called Jenga. Anybody ever play that? And the point of the game was you would kind of pull the pieces out until eventually the tower gets so wobbly that the tower falls down. And, uh, you know, there's different kinds of people in the way that they play this game. Like, I, like everything I do in my life, was always kind of trying to see, like, how quick we could make the thing happen. So I was always going for the bottom risky ones. And kind of like, you know, doing something interesting. There's always like that one kind of like more nervous person who like pokes the middle one out. Is that anybody willing to say in the room there, that person? Yeah, like, oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You're um, probably like, you know, an accountant or librarian or whatever. But I, um, I don't know. I, uh, so a lot of people have found um, over the last few years that like this tower is starting to get a little wobbly their faith is getting a little wobbly or their certainty that maybe I, maybe you're like, I still like Jesus, but I don't know about the church. Or you're like, I even kind of like the church. It's just the church people. If I could like go to the church, but not have to know the church people. Maybe, uh, maybe, you fell out of, uh, maybe you fell out of the habit of going to church during COVID somewhere along the way and you've struggled to get back to it. Maybe you, um, I don't know, a lot of different things could have happened, but it's nothing new. The church of Jesus has been strong and then wobbly and strong and then wobbly like since its inception you know all the way back to a couple hundred years after the church was formed there was this emperor uh, Diocletian you could find him he's a historical figure he was the emperor uh, right around 300 AD and he put out a rule that uh, they were gonna kill all the Christians he was doing it to consolidate power but it was like we're gonna burn the Christians we're gonna tell them they have to say they're not Christians anymore, persecution, 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 you know, and if you say you're a Christian, you're going to die. Which is why I think like in heaven, maybe they're rolling their eyes at what we Americans now call persecution. Maybe that's just for another day. Okay, maybe you didn't like that. That's fine. But, you know, maybe, but that goes on and on and on where the church gets wobbly and then it gets strong and it gets wobbly and then it gets strong. Maybe you grew up in church and like you found out something about a pastor or the institution or like, wait, churches, like, they didn't help the people who got abused. They protected the institution. Or maybe somewhere along the way it got wobbly, is my point. And you found your way back to church today because you were promised a free lunch, or you promised your, found your way back to church today because you were told there were going to be consequences if you didn't, or, 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 or. The church can survive all that stuff. There's only one thing that your faith can't survive. It's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the resurrection. What he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is that if you take the resurrection out, dramatic pause, the whole thing falls down. And that's what I came to talk to you about today. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, and 
verse 12, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection from the dead? If there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. In fact, verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching, that's what I'm doing right now, like, so if Christ has not been raised, that guy who's up there clearly wearing the clothes that his wife laid out for him, trying to like be a good boy and listening to everybody's comments about his tie, the thing that he's doing while he's doing that, it's a vain, it's pointless. And the stuff that you're saying you believe in, if Jesus has been raised, your faith is in vain. Paul is saying that without the resurrection, Church is just a club, social belonging with no functional purpose. And can I say you could probably find a better club? Come on. Uh, without the resurrection, faith is just a placebo, a fake pill that you imagine makes you feel better. Without the resurrection, heaven is like Wakanda or Narnia. It's an imaginary world that's fun to think about that you will never visit. So I want to talk to you today about if Jesus didn't really rise, what that means. Then I want to try to convince you that he rose, and then I want to try to convince you that because he rose, here's what that is all about. If Jesus didn't rise first, life ends at physical death. Life ends at physical death. So if Jesus didn't rise, that's what he's saying here. He's saying if Jesus didn't rise, there's nothing after this. It's interesting. Um, even people who don't really believe in any specific God tend to believe that there's something after this. Life is too challenging and frankly difficult sometimes to be like, so what, you just kind of go along and then one day the lights go out and that's it? Uh, there's this group of people that a lot of sociologists are studying these days called nuns, not like N-U-N-S, Whoopi Goldberg, not that, like <laughs> N-O-N-E-S. And they are people who claim no religious affiliation. So they're like, not Christian, not Muslim, not Buddhist, not Jehovah's Witness, not, 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 just I'm nothing. That's how they got the name. But it's interesting, among those people, 58% of those people would say, I believe there's afterlife. So they're saying, I don't know which system it is or which group to be part of. I'm not sure about that, but, but there's something out there. It's because the Bible says that uh, eternity has been put in man's heart. And so unless we're lying to ourselves, we know somewhere down deep in here, yeah, there's this part, and then there's some other thing after this. But if Jesus didn't rise, all there is is you slowly get older, 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 and then, or life hits, and it's gone. Jesus didn't die. If Jesus didn't rise, life ends at physical death. So I'll continue along in 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 16, he says, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ hasn't been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So if Jesus didn't raise, the, that whole choir was such nonsense, whipping themselves up, what, with the tambourine, and it was all for nothing. Your sins can only be forgiven, he's saying, because Jesus has been raised. If Jesus didn't rise, our sins can't be forgiven. 
Interestingly, continuing along with this theme of these nuns, 58% of them believe, these are just people around us now, that there's an afterlife. And interestingly enough, 16% of them believe that there is a literal hell. So among this big group of people in our world today, they would say, like, huh, I don't know what system it is, but if you get it wrong, you're going to some real bad place. What it's telling us, I think, is that there's something inside human beings that is trying to figure out who is the real God, what is the real thing I can trust in, and they're trying to figure out how to find it, grab onto it, pay attention to it. This is why he says in verse 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. You know that thing, um, and if you're in the room today and you don't, like, think of yourself. Just leave that verse up for one second. If you're uh, in the room today and you don't think of yourself as a Christian, then you can just opt out for just a second. You know that thing that um, sometimes people do? It's often, like, really well-educated people or people in certain spheres of life where they give you that, like, really condescending, kind of smug, like, you don't really believe all that stuff, do you? You know that thing? And they always do the same, almost always they do the same thing, then they turn their head kind of to the side. It's like this you don't really believe all that stuff, do you? (laughs) And there's that thing that makes a person of faith, it kind of like, because um, if Jesus didn't rise, that condescending person is correct. If Jesus didn't rise, you should have stayed home and watched the golf and argued about politics on the internet like everybody else is doing this morning. Paul's saying, if Jesus didn't rise, we are pathetic. We are to be seen with derision, disdain. If Jesus isn't actually alive, like, you give your time, you give your, you give your energy, you, for, for, for what? Paul kind of builds on this just a few verses later in verse 30 when he says, now, for us, Like, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? Like, there's way easier and more popular things to be than a person of faith who believes God has rules and standards. So, like, you ever feel that, like, kind of burn, like, sometimes being one of those people that believes God has laws and God has standards and whatever you feel in your heart isn't necessarily the right thing? Just, like, encourage each other for a second. Who, by show of hands, has had the feeling, like, I... It's not so fun always being on the team that believes that God is in charge and his rules apply. Anybody ever have that feeling? Yeah, it's like not always the easiest to be that person. He's like saying, why do we make ourselves the unpopular ones? If Jesus didn't rise, just be like, who cares? Do whatever. If Jesus didn't rise, people of faith are pathetic. This is the last verse in this section. He says, I love this, verse 32. He's like, if the dead are not raised, let us eat. And drink, for tomorrow we die. The Apostle Paul is saying that if Jesus Christ didn't rise, it would have made a lot more sense to be at Dirty Nellie's down the street at 3 in the morning than it is to be at church at 10 in the morning. I'm sure a few of you maybe were at both. I, <laughs> that's maybe those people are probably trying to rally for the last service in an hour, I would guess. It's the... think you can accept that that's logical, right? Like, if it isn't real, 
if Jesus Christ isn't actually alive, that's the block that if you pull it out, the whole faith falls down. And if there's nothing to believe in, like, let's have a good time. Let's kick back. Let's enjoy life. Let's max out all those credit cards. Let's live like there's no tomorrow because there's nothing after this. So let's, like, kick butt and have fun while we're here, is what he's saying. If Jesus didn't rise, these are the four things I just said, life ends at physical death, our sins can't be forgiven, people of faith are pathetic and last there, if Jesus didn't rise, life is about having a good time. Now, I think you can be honest and say most of the people in Palatine, Illinois in 2023, most of the people in Chicago land in 2023, most of the people that you and I see at the store, talk to, are around at various different times. This roughly approximates the world that they're living with because they don't have a sense of the resurrection. This is the way they're living. But Jesus did rise. That's, so I don't, I don't know if you were like, you know, wondering. He did rise. 2,000 years ago, they woke up and there was women at the tomb first. And, well, I wrote down, I wanted to say this really well, so I wrote it down like this. Here's eight reasons that the person talking, me, believes that the resurrection really happened. One, something strange clearly happened at Jesus' tomb. This is not disputed. The grave was empty, the clothes were left behind, the stone was rolled away. No one ever claimed to have stolen the body, one. Two, the early Christian movement got its start in the very place where Jesus died and was buried. And it happened in the immediate aftermath of his resurrection. And it grew, despite massive resistance from both civil and religious leaders. People with every incentive to disprove the resurrection couldn't do so. Three, records from contemporary pagan and Jewish writers indicate that Christians were convinced that Jesus had come back from the dead. Even people who didn't believe in Jesus knew that the resurrection was the most important part. Four, Jesus predicted precisely what was then claimed to have happened, his own death and resurrection, and he did it in a way that was beyond his control. He knew it was coming, a sign that validates his teachings and deity. Five, there are four ancient biographies of Jesus, all of which claim that he rose from the dead. These texts were written and disseminated when plenty of other people were still around to confirm or deny their veracity. They are supplemented by letters composed by those who saw it all go down firsthand. This cannot be easily ignored. You can't agree with the people at your Easter table today about what happened at that one Christmas when everybody fought. You all have your different views. All the people that were around and wrote it down all said, I don't know, but he rose. Six, the story of John the Apostle is especially significant to me. He was Jesus' best friend, and the easiest way to discount him is to say that he was writing something symbolic. The problem with that is that John knew how to tell a story, and he wrote the book of Revelation, which has a lot of symbolic and apocalyptic and poetic writing, and he wrote the book of John very differently. He wrote it with the intention of it being exactly true and literal, and it is. Seven. Jesus appeared to people after his death on 11 separate occasions, always unexpectedly. They knew him before his death. 
They eventually recognized him when they knew him again. They heard him, touched him, and watched him eat. And last and most significantly, many of the people who claimed to have seen the resurrected Jesus died because of that claim. These were people who knew what it meant to take a stand. They knew that they were dying for something. They did not die for an idea or a dream or a hope. They died because what they knew to be true is what they saw to be true. Jesus was alive. It's hard to find anything much more compelling than that. Like, um, I believe that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player that ever lived on the planet Earth. Coach? But if someone held a gun to my head and said, say it's LeBron James, I'd be like, I'll say it's Bill Wennington if you want. Just Opinions are one thing. But you mean to tell me these people knew that it was all made up and they were so committed to the thing that they were like, no, I'll die. The fact that they were willing to die says that they saw it and they believed with all of their hearts that it was real and it was true. This is what Paul's getting at when he says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And he is the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. We talked about this a little bit if you were here in church on Friday. The first fruits, that's the idea I wanted to teach about a little this Easter. The first fruits is the down payment. It's the first part of all the good things to come. Uh, man, yesterday was a day, wasn't it? I saw so, a couple of like hilariously sunburned people at the early service this morning. <laughs> yesterday was the first like genuinely beautiful day. And when you live in this climate that we live in, you tell yourself, it'll be like that again. And then when it is, it fills you with such joy and enthusiasm because it's not just that yesterday is a great day. It's that by the time we made it to a day like that, it means that the days are going to slowly get more and more and more like that, and we got a lot of sunshine to come. It's the first fruit. It's an agricultural idea, first fruit. It's like the first strawberry that comes off the vine, the first cookie that comes out of the oven. It's the one that shows you what all the ones after it will be like. The first fruit is the promise of all the good to come. So imagine what he means then when he says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. He is the first fruit of all of those who have fallen asleep. If you want to know what happens to people after they die, look at what happened to Jesus. He's our first signal and symbol. Verse 21, for since death came through a man, the resurrection comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn. The Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And you see right there, that's where you and me, I don't know if you knew this, you're in the Bible, all of us are. We're right there in that verse there on the screen. Do you see it? Each in turn, Christ the first fruits, that already happened. When he comes, those who belong to him, that hasn't happened yet. And we're right there in that comma around the word then is right where we're living our entire lives right here. In between the promise and the payoff of all God has to come in the future. That's why he says in verse 26 that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So let me tell you three things quick that happened because Jesus rose. In verse 49, he says, Just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Just as we bear the image of the earthly man, so we shall bear the image of the heavenly man. Has this ever happened to you where uh, you hear yourself saying something? Or look at the mirror and see, and you're like, 
I promised myself it would never happen, but I've become my father. I've become my mother. You sure? Anyone heard that happen where you're like, I, which it's like, I'm hearing the words that I've just said out of my mouth. Usually it's like when we're barking at the kids. Not that we do that at our house, but like, you know, other people and everything. Like, when we, it's Easter tomorrow, shut up, we gotta go to bed, you know, whatever. I don't know. Uh, got a little too vulnerable there, sorry. Uh, we understand that. We bear the image of the earthly man. There's nothing you can do to change the fact that you physically look kind of like the people you came from, and more than you could ever imagine, you kind of act like the people that you came from. Just as we bear the image of the heavenly man, of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Because Jesus rose, my life now is a small down payment on the real life to come. This is the small part. This is the short part. This is the insignificant part. It's long and challenging, and we have these decisions to make, like where should I work, where should I go to college, what should I do, what should I eat, what place should I go, what, what should I, and it feels so significant in the time that you're doing it, and then life goes by, and we have 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 years to come living in glory, and it feels so long right now, but my life now is just a small, insignificant down payment on everything that is to come. A different way of saying that is in death, uh, we are taken from our treasure or to our treasure. Thank you, Patrick. Yes, I thought that was a wow as well. I, there's not many things that are more like um, sort of sad and depressing as people you can get around who have everything from an earthly perspective and are really unhappy. You know any of those people? Yeah. They, uh, because you're like, no, like you realize that with everything you have, you should be happy, right? And the sad truth is people who spend life trying to accumulate for themselves inevitably find it empty. And those who, like Jesus said, lay up treasures in heaven are able to live with joy now because it doesn't matter that much. I woke up today really excited that it was Easter and I hope things are amazing today and I hope that you're encouraged and I hope that people are finding faith. But this is not the thing in my life that it all is hinging on. This is not the thing that it's all hinging. It's what I'm storing up for the future. We bear the image of the earthly man in our sinful nature through Adam on earth, but we bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus Christ, that glory is out ahead. So we get the opportunity and the challenge to frame our joys and sorrows as temporary. Verse 56, Paul continues. He says, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus rose, my sins can be forgiven, which is great news. It's great news. It's great news. It's great news. Because Jesus rose, my sins can be forgiven. You meet so many people. I meet so many people who are carrying around the feelings of regret for what they wish they would have got right at some time in the past and they didn't get right. I wish I could go back and raise those kids again. I wish I could go back and not screw up that marriage again. I wish I could go back and not blow that opportunity again. I wish I could go back and... And some of that regret is sin, volitional choice. Some of it is more just like the nature of the world we're living in and you didn't exactly even mean to, but you did your best and it didn't work out. And all of that, that's the sting, he says. It's the sting of death. It's that feeling of like, Man, I'd do like a lot of this different if I could do it again. But because of Jesus, 
he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. My sin can be forgiven, and it is the only path to heaven. The only path to heaven is for my sin to be forgiven through Jesus Christ. Uh, we've talked about this before, but we'll talk about it again. Christianity is not like, kind of like, uh, there's a bunch of good world religions, this is the best one. Like we could talk, you know, like where's your favorite place to get a burger or something or a steak or Chinese food. And we could have like a, you know, a discussion about it. And like, I like this place, I like this place, I like this place. But at the end of it, it would be like a bunch of good ideas. And like, you know, we could kind of line them up in whatever order. And Christianity, the faith that we're talking about right now that we believe in, is not the best of all the workable faiths. It is the only path to right relationship with God. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that messes with our modern ideas because we want it to be true that everyone who is good-hearted and sincere can find their way to God. We want it to be true. But bullet, point, you are not God. That's not the way the world works. Sincerity doesn't really work out. Sincerity is a great idea in lots of cases. It doesn't work in this case. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because Jesus rose, lastly, I have real purpose for this life. He says, therefore, verse 58, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let's put that verse up on the screen. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor to the Lord is not in vain. So stand firm means don't let anything mess this up. So like, it doesn't matter what comes my way if I have the resurrection as the bottom of the tower that I'm building my life on, nothing can knock it over which we've got to do a good job now, because if you knock it over, it's going to ruin it. <laughs> if I have the resurrection, cancer can come my way, but I'm going to stand firm. And cancer can come my way, and God can heal it miraculously, and it's not going to get in my way. And I can pray and fast and believe, and it's still, I don't get the thing I want, and I don't get the answer I want, and it all kind of falls apart, and I can stand firm anyway. And I, he says, because Jesus rose, let nothing move you. So it doesn't matter if I have like a bad week or a bad month or a bad quarter. Or it was a tough year. I'm disappointed or I'm frustrated. Worldly relationships fall apart when I don't get what I want. But if I build my life on the power of the resurrection, a historical fact, nothing can knock me over. And I wonder how many people today, just like, I don't know, being honest now, I wonder how many people today have got their life built on something other than the resurrection. And if that falls, your tower's gonna fall. Because life has a way of like tearing apart the things that we're banking on. I don't know if you figured that out now, I'll just save you. Like, I'll just save you a whole bunch of heartache if I can. If you're banking your whole life on something other than the resurrection, I can promise you, it's not because God's mean, it's just the way it is. That thing is gonna fall away and then you're gonna be like. So I must believe the resurrection for eternal life and live the resurrection for my current life. 
the only way to get to heaven is through believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that his resurrection is the completion of his death, which pays for my sins. And I must live the resurrection every day. It's like, it sounds trite. It really isn't. This is the short part. This little momentary time that can be so challenging and disappointing and confusing and difficult. I look and I say, because Jesus is alive, that means I have the power in me to stand firm and nothing needs to move me off of that truth. I want to give you a chance to respond to that before we sing and we're done. I, uh, can we just bow your heads with me? I wonder now, is there anybody in the room? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you say anything or do anything that's going to point you out, but I do want to give you a chance to respond. Is there anybody who's listening to my voice right now as I'm about to pray who would say, I need this thing you're talking about? Maybe you've been in church a long time. Maybe you haven't been. But you're just like, you know what, as you're saying it, I need this Jesus thing you're talking about. So we have our heads bowed and eyes closed. But if that's you, I just want to pray for you. We're not going to take a long time with it today, but I want to do want to pray for you. If that's you, could you just raise your hand for a second so I could see you? I need this thing. Yep, I see you all around the room. Uh-huh. Is there anybody who's like, you know what, honestly, like, I, I don't have this thing that you're talking about. I, 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 I'm not sure if I have it. I want to have it. I believe it. As you're saying it right now, Pastor, as you're saying it right now, I believe it. If that's you, could you just raise a hand for a second? I'd love the chance to pray for you. I see you. Uh-huh. I'm just waiting one more second. Anybody else? Awesome. There's people making that step of faith all over the room. I'm going to pray. And whether you're making the choice today or whether you already believe it, I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer right along with me. You can say it right out loud. You can say, God, I believe in the resurrection. Jesus, your death and resurrection is the only way I can get to heaven. Please come into my life today. God, I need you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing before we go. Let's all stay here. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.